What's up, guys? Welcome back to the weekly scraps. The weekly naps. Weekly naps. I am definitely waking up from a nap right now. It's 10.50 at night, that Sunday night. Freaking uh, 10th Planet Peanut Butter Cup. Oh. Planet 13. 10 Planet. Oh, oh my goodness. Dude, yeah, this is rough. That Planet 13 Peanut Butter Cup just, yeah, it has me washed right now. But by wash, I mean I feel amazing. Somebody said. The best sleep I think I've had in a long time. Somebody commented that you got to get off the edibles. Everyone says I need to get off of everything. Should I tell them what I did for, before the last fight? <laughs> like, what, like, you did nothing. I enjoyed myself. Well, oh, I didn't drink. I don't want to hear about this. I didn't drink. You can stop. But um, the other stuff that I experienced with. So, yeah, we'll leave it at that. I don't even, I think I know what you're talking about, but whatever. Your, your favorite <laughs> snack of choice now. Oh. Yeah, I did yeah. that a lot. <laughs> I did that a What's lot. wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with it, but what's wrong with the edibles? I'm not saying. No, I know. I'm just saying. Someone just said it's a slippery slope. But anyway. I guess. What do you, you want to start with the main event? Oh, yeah, yeah, Let's do the main event. Um, Yair Rodriguez, Volkanovski. That boy Volkan, he is good. I'm watching him like, yeah, there's not many holes to really capitalize on this guy with. It's like almost having to catch him in a submission or hope that he gets tired and you can catch him in between those moments. Those are the only types of few seconds of vulnerability I've ever seen with him for the most part. He's been relatively dominant. And Yair, I think he was a worthy opponent, even though Volk always says this about all the guys he's fought. He's like, yeah, they look the same. They look great out there until it's me standing in front of him. And I'm like... I'm starting to see that he really does have a point. I'm not starting to see. Like, I've seen it before, but now it's like, damn. I don't know who it is out there that's going to be able to stop him anytime soon. And I think that's the beauty of Volk right now. Well, he's, he said he would fight you. So if Yeah, you're, before the fight. I saw that. Yeah. So, like, if obviously I'm sure that's a fight you'd love to. That's a challenge you'd love to accept. Yeah. But, like, after that, do you still think there's a chance that you could beat him? I think there's always a chance. And it's not even to be like, I know some people are going to be like, oh, look, he's laughing and he's not taking it serious. I'm like, dude, I take all my competition serious. So where there's a will, there's a way. I like the challenge. Um, of course, I got I to gotta get through this twig who is trying to throw a little – he's just trying to ruin everything. and I'm, I'm not trying to let him do that. So I got to make sure I take him very, very seriously, which I have been doing. We got two workouts lined up for tomorrow. Two days. Um, some two days. days a week. And to, to answer the question, I, I'm confident that if I were to prepare for Volk, I could, and I could get the proper looks. And the same thing he says about these other people, I feel exactly the same. It's, it's different when I'm standing in front of you as well. All these guys that people keep saying are the boogeyman or look like unbeatable, the next big thing. And I feel like, man, look at the, the the resume. I've been shutting them all down. Not saying Volk is going to be easy. The guy cracks. He can wrestle. He's got good anti-wrestling. And uh, he can kick. He can punch. He's legitimately, I think, 
the most skilled guy out there pound for pound, what he's been sh able to show, even against the diversity of opponents he's faced. He's faced a grappler now, a high-level grappler, in a fight people thought he won. He faced a high-level kicker, um, a high-level grappler in Brian Ortega. And then he's fought a really good boxer, kind of kickboxer, but mostly boxer in Max Holloway three times, Jose Aldo. The guy's got a resume and a half. Chad Mendez, powerhouse puncher. Like, he's beaten all types of opponents. He just hasn't met anyone who could do it just as well as him. And I think that guy would be me. But, yeah. Yeah. Pass Sean first. yeah, and you're both really good at a lot of different facets of MMA. So it's like... Yeah. I think the thing that makes the fight between myself and Volk interesting, people can say, oh, he's going to crush you in one or two, whatever. You guys keep saying this. Not not the fans, the the actual other people who just have something to always harp on about. Uh, I think the, the thing that we both bring to the table is the fight IQ and being able to make those adjustments. And I think that's, for me, the challenge, just like it was for Henry. Like, the fight was close. Even though in my head, I'm like, dude, I'm easily up four rounds going into this fifth. Um, I think what makes it interesting is what he brings to the table in terms of the adjustments he can make. When he made that mid-fight adjustment against Yair Rodriguez in the third round, like it was like after that headbutt sequence, I think Yair should have taken a little bit longer of time. Mm -hmm. uh, that headbutt was clean on the chin. I know he was getting cracked before that, but I would have taken the time to at least recover a little bit more. I think that would have been... Uh, Earn on the side of caution versus trying to run, jump back in there. And I think he did that maybe a little bit too soon because that was a big shot, man. Um, Volk's got a big-ass head. <laughs> so he <laughs> cracked him, and then almost 30 seconds after that, the fight was over. So he looked great putting on the, the, the pace with his jabs, his feints, and the way he mixed it up. And then when Yair was having his way with the kicks for about 30 seconds and the crowd started getting into it, started doing the jumping switch kick, the kicking at the head, the yeah. calf kick. He made it like interesting, like oh, oh, he's, he's got a chance, and then Volk changed gears, fixed the timing, um, cracked him, got inside, took him down, and that was the beginning of the end. Dude, that was insane. I mean, so people are talking about the pound for pound thing now. You, you and Eric kind of talked about it. You, you yeah. were arguing last week before the fight that maybe he should be pound for pound number one. I could say that until John fights again, when John beats Stipe, if. or if. Or if Stipe were to beat him, I think it, I think it changes everything. So if John beats Stipe, I think John has an argument as well. But I think the activity of Volk right now, it's hard to put John Jones over Volkanovski just based on the activity, activity, yeah, and what he has done with his. Like yes, John has a long career, mm -hmm. and if we're gonna look at all that as goat, we could do that. But we're talking about current pound for pound, the guy who's been competing the most and challenging himself. Yeah, he might not have won. Um, pound for pound means if all things were equal, who would be the best? And I think based on the performances, it'd be hard if, to if they say were the same not. Size. If yeah, it'd be hard to say it's not Volk right now. Yeah. But John, when if John but, were to but, be wait, stupid, but, that changes everything. So do you think John has a better? Do you think Volk has an overall better skill set than John Jones does? As a heavyweight. That's, it's a different style, different body type. But it's like, that's, I feel like that's what you, that's the question that's you're the answering. Question, that's the question. And I feel of late, you have to say it's Volk. Of late. 
Okay, let's go striking. Who do you think is better? See, that's that's a trick question because I think John's got some diverse, tricky striking where he's doing the oblique kicks, he's doing the spinning elbows, he's doing the front kicks, um, he's doing he's doing uh, the spinning back kicks. Volk isn't doing all that. He's just very clean and methodical in what he does, and he breaks guys down. He's got a good jab, good inside leg kick, um, big overhand. Uh, he'll put the combinations on, but he ain't doing no jumping back kicks like John and things like that, experimenting with axe kicks. Mm -hmm. He ain't doing all that. No. So we're talking who's the better striker if all things were equal. We've seen what Vogue does to guys who are specialists in their in their area. He, he shuts them down. Yeah, like the best strikers that Volk, like Volk's, Volk in his last fight against Mac, Max kind of dismantled him a little. Yeah, who was arguably the best boxer in the UFC. That's what people were saying. So it, that's that's what that's what I love about MMA. It's hard to pick, man. It's hard to really like say like this is for certain. I I I feel like overall Volk is a better striking mind than John. I think it seems that way to me. I I, I see your point, and the other, the other part about it is the speed differential fighting at forty five compared that's, that's to that's what makes it hard. Yeah, yeah. John I think is overall faster than the majority of. Uh, or more quick twitchy more than the heavyweights and the light heavyweights he's fought. Mm -hmm. The only guys who kind of come to mind like now is like a Jamal Hill in terms of quick twitch with, with his hands and how he can snap him out really quick. Um, is it, I mean, I mean, it's not much. It's not much. Yeah, <laughs> I can think of the top of my head. Uh, maybe Johnny Walker, explosive. But in terms of like feints and moving like that, there's no one out there who's really moving like that at lightweight and heavyweight right now compared to Volkanovski. I think that's what could be the difference. In the striker, I don't know. Like maybe just a smidge. Volk overall? I think Volk overall. In, yeah, putting in, it all together. In terms of if there's a skill set I would rather have in the sense of how Volk's look versus how John's striking look of late. Let's say the last four years, and John hasn't competed that much, right? Maybe like last four fights, if you compare the last four fights. And we can see how the striking looks. I think I would rather take Volk and the way he's shutting down all of his opponents. Yeah. <clears throat> With even John. He came out himself, and him himself said, I felt goofy in there fighting Sarugan when he was like trying to strike a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, and then I feel like if John fought Cyril Gan in like a kickboxing. kickboxing match, it wouldn't even, I think Cyril would probably win. But then Volk against the best kickboxers in his weight class, he he beats him. Yeah. So I don't know. But then grappling, I think you give it to John, right? I give it to I would give it to John in terms of like overall wrestling. Yeah. I'm just talking in the package. If you're talking, if you want this entire package or this package, the John Jones plus or the Volkanovski plus, which one are you picking? If you're making a character from scratch on UFC four. Yes. So that's the part that I'm uh, I'm I feel hung like up on. But I, I feel like if, if you want us to have longevity, and I can't even say that because you see what John has done in his weight class. But that's the difference between the weight class. I think our weight class might be a little bit more well-rounded than John's, in my personal opinion. The lower weight class. The classes. lower weight class. Definitely. And I'm biased. But yeah, I, I mean, think I most think people would, would agree with me. Bantamweight and featherweight are more skilled divisions than light heavyweight and heavyweight. Exactly. So, Just my personal opinion. So... Steve ain't going in there doing freaking triangles off of his back, bro. Let's be honest. Let's no, yeah, but Steve is a good, a, a better test than surreal, for sure. No, not talking test, but I'm just saying in terms of overall skill set. Like Steve ain't doing no Darce Bravo chokes. He ain't doing like I'm gonna 
take you down and and look for a jumping or high elbow guillotine. He ain't doing any of that. Um, Cyril Gane ain't doing any of that. I mean, he went for a leg lock, which a big guy could just wrap his legs and just squeeze. But you get guys at 45, like a Brian Ortega. You get a... a way a, more diverse attack. Uh, yeah, like there's just way more people who are more well-rounded in their overall skill set. That's just my opinion. So then, last um, thing... Humbly. Last thing on Volk that I wanted to ask you was like, now people are... People, I saw a bunch of tweets that were saying Volk is now... He's now surpassed the best featherweight of all time discussion, and now he's in the GOAT discussion. Yeah. What do you think about that? I, I think Volk's right there. When you look at his resume, see all the guys he's beaten. I mean, at this point, he's unbeaten in the UFC, no? I don't think he's lost in the UFC. Yeah. I mean, we can fact check this, but the guy's on a historic run. Like, there's Khabib, but now there's now Volkanovski. And people can say he's never lost a round, he's never been cut, never been. That's not, that's besides the point. The only thing that matters are, are the W's. We can say how it's done, like, oh, this team got a, queen, a clean sweep in the playoffs, so they must be this over this team. And that's why it's, it's good for, and it's open for conversation. You look at activity. I think when we're talking about GOAT, and we're not comparing Volkanovski to Khabib, I'm not. What I'm talking about just overall, we're talking the greatest of all time, how is Volkanovski not in that conversation? Of course he is, yeah. He's undefeated in the UFC. Except for Islam. That's the only fight he lost. Ah, oh, come on. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm fat. This is, these are facts. But okay, so other Since than Since he Islam entered lost, the UFC in 2016. And his weight class as a featherweight, as a featherweight GOAT. He's. He's definitely the featherweight GOAT. Over Jose Aldo. I would say, damn. Because. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. And, I mean, we're talking modern-day MMA. Jose Aldo was also, I don't want to say out of his prime, but you're going to hear people say, oh, vintage Jose Aldo. But it was also a different level a of competition. Different time. Yeah. I think and a lot of that was in the WEC. WEC. Yeah. I think we could say now that Volk has surpassed him right now. I think it's fair to say that. I tend to agree. Jose had a really good run at 45. I think it's between him and Volk. And, of course, Max, but then I think Volk, what he did to Max, how he surpassed Max being undefeated at featherweight. I Like, what's what's his winning streak right now outside of uh, um, Islam? Outside of Islam? So before the Islam fight, because this is all at featherweight. Remember, featherweight. Including non-UFC fights. Yes. Holy crap. He's undefeated. One, two, three, four. Like, before he got to the UFC. What's no, no, his? no. Just, just in the UFC. Just in the UFC. Oh, okay, okay. Um, one, two... Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Thirteen at, at featherweight. And this including that last one that just happened? Yeah. From, Inclu from including yesterday. Yair. Yeah. Okay, so thirteen. Thirteen wins. How many of those are title fights? Um seven. I think he's on the on the just title fights alone. Yeah, Because Max was his first title fight. Yeah. Yeah, he challenged Max for the title. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight wins in a row at for uh outside in featherweight. Damn. I mean if we're talking just straight up stats and if we're talking about what have you done for me Lee, what have you done for me lately, it's it's hard not to say Volkanovski. So he so you're saying he's definitely the featherweight goat. That's your opinion. I'm going with, I think, Volkanovski right now is the featherweight GOAT. Okay. 
I, I, I think I could comfortably say that. And you can make the argument for Jose Aldo still, but mm -hmm. I think for me right now, based on modern MMA, uh, I, I think it's hard not to say he's Volkanovski. Just look at the the level of talent, skill for skill, with the guys he's fought in his defenses. And obviously you can't take away from Jose Aldo's his time, but for me right now, the way he's looking, I think it's Volkanovski. Okay. So then <clears throat> does where does he rank in the just overall GOAT discussion to you? I mean, he's up there with John Jones, up there with GSP, and up there with Sova. I mean, he has to be. I think, yeah. Like, that's the conversation that needs to be. And I know people are going to put insert Khabib in there. I guess if you're going to put Khabib in there, you have to put Volkanovski in there. You can't have Khabib over, yeah. over Volk. I think Khabib should be in there. And if Khabib's in there, Volk should definitely be in there. Yeah. I mean, he has way more wins defending titles. Then Khabib. Title wins. He went up a weight class, almost beat Khabib's twin brother, basically, and as a fighter. And look how long he's been in there compared to Khabib. I feel like Khabib's been around for a while, but he was injured a lot, and that's not his fault. But yeah, Volk's I, had an active title. So all those eight fights are since all those eight title fights are since 2019, which is so that's crazy. Less than four years. So like, let's say three and a half years, just to round it. Um. Eight title fights, nine if you include the Islam fight. So he's that's like over two fights, way over two fights a year. Yeah, and on top of it, if he didn't fight at featherweight, um, lightweight, he could have been fighting again. He could have fought then and fought now. He could have fought. He's still going, man. Like he's ready to get this surgery and then get right back in there. Props to him. I I was starting to wonder, like, is he thinking about retiring? That's like, what I'm wondering because he's like almost like, yeah, let me keep me active, let me bang it out. And I'm gonna run it up until someone beats me, and then maybe challenge him again and be done. I mean, yeah, like what? What? I don't know how long you can just keep doing that for. I mean, he's probably making so much money. I hope he. I'm is. sure he's set for life. I hope you Aussies are treating him good, man. I mean, I know they love him. I mean, what more does he have to do? But I guess he. It seems like he's just like not. He's getting way better every fight. Yeah, I just think the the comfortability of how he looked against Yair. Even when the few moments that gave us like hopes that we could see a, a challenge and some pushback was very very short lived and man just looked phenomenal with, with I just think with that jab very educated uh, his feints cutting off the traffic and then timing the takedown and not wasting any time getting in and cleanly not taking too much damage with the elbows from your year on the bottom doing a good job of maintaining bicep control and then when he was ready posturing up driving his head forward he just that is a tough guy to beat right now. And to do that to Yair, who has looked better off of his back against Josh Emmett, and again, it goes back to what Volker said. Everyone looks the way that they do until I'm standing in front of him. And, uh, man, props to him. I, I am looking forward to that match with him and Taporia. And who knows, if when I get past Sean, if this is a realistic thing, and say he does beat Taporia, or that matchup doesn't happen, and I get inserted in there for for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. I that would I would love to get that challenge before he would hang it up and it all be said and done. I missed the opportunity to fight Jose Aldo. You know, I've been trying to fight some of these guys who are going to be considered the greatest or the biggest names: Piotrian, Corey Sanhagen, T.J. Dillashaw, Henry Cejudo, and I fighting Sean, who's going to be kind of like my Conor McGregor moment. Um, 
And then to have an opportunity to fight Volkanovski would be like a real legacy defining moment for my career. And I, I would even say for him too, like I am the most winningest bantamweight out there. So for him to get a win over me also, the same way he was able to go up and challenge himself. And people say like, oh, you have no chance. They said the same thing about him against Islam. And then what happened? He made him look like he was human. When you're the best of the best are properly preparing themselves, which is why they are considered the best, anything can happen. He almost took that one from Islam. And uh, I think if I've gotten the opportunity, I would make sure I would not squander that moment. Yeah, plus I think like the success, okay, like some of the success he had last night, like it would be harder to have against you. Like he's not gonna, t I don't think he's gonna take you down so easily. Yeah. And then if you're on your back, I think you might be a little more dangerous than Yair. Yeah. And I think in just jujitsu, like you're more dangerous than pretty much anyone. Yeah, it's a, it's a different style, man. It's a different game, and I think that's the X factor I bring to the to the table. And I'll have the opportunity to bulk up my gas tank a bit and uh, put a little bit of size on, and I think that can make a big difference. I'm already a big guy for the weight, man. I, I walk around 65 to 170. Um, I'm talking to some of these guys. Usman tells me he walks around about 190, and he fights at 170. What? I. I He's always lean, though. So the way that you see him is pretty much the way that he is year-round. So he is muscular, so it is still tough for him to make that weight. But the fact that he only cuts the 20 makes me realize, like, damn, I'm one of the bigger guys for this weight for sure. Ian Gary, this is an interesting tidbit. Ian Gary weighed himself in front of us. He was 182. Right before camp, you were 170. Yeah. And That's he's a insane. welterweight. Insane to me. So you're like you. I think you and Volk are pretty much the same size. I think you're a little taller. He's a little denser. Thick, thick boy, long arms. I, I like I said. I, I don't rule out the opportunity, and uh, I never doubt myself in any in any fight. So I would definitely welcome the challenge. And of course, I got to handle Sean first. So let me take care of him in Boston, and then we'll see what happens after that. Um, Moreno versus Pantoja. That was an amazing fight. Amazing fight. Like. Some of the rounds were so wishy-washy and back and forth. I'm like, I don't know who's winning. It's like literally they're playing tug-of-war and they're both crossing, almost about to cross that finish line. But I felt like that line was being edged out a bit more by Pantoja. You just felt like he was tugging a little bit more on his side in terms of activity and uh, even getting the takedowns. I was actually surprised it was a split. I had Pantoja four rounds to one. Um... And at worst, three rounds to two. Mm -hmm. Rounds one and round three for sure, Pantoja. And I think um, round five was Pantoja. So those were the easy rounds to score. I think it was round two, round four. And even a little bit of round three was a little bit difficult. But I felt, again, I just felt like Pantoja was doing just a little bit more. Um, Moreno's striking just looks so much better, though. Yeah. So I'm actually, but, I have the stats right here. But Pantoja was... Landing the harder strikes, and I thought I felt like that's what the judges were going to be looking at. Interesting. I because feel like some of the rounds, Brandon clearly outclassed him on the feet. Easy, made him and landed the harder strikes too. But then Pantoja would have like control for way more. So like, how do you? I guess that would make the difference because it's not like it was. Yeah, I think for me, if I remember correctly, and guys, I remember I only, I only watched this once. If I remember correctly. That's what made rounds three and four difficult for me to score 
because I felt like Moreno was getting the better of him early on with the striking, mm-hmm. lighting him up with the jab, throwing a couple combinations together. But then Pantoja would push forward and almost look like he buckled him every time. And that's what made it look like for me. I thought um, Pantoja was doing more damage, but I thought volume, uh, Moreno won. It's just when the other guy yeah. gets hit and then it looks like he's falling or dropping, and that's what makes it, that's what kind of almost makes that volume a little bit of a wash. But then he would get the takedown with it where I'm like, ah, I feel like now, like maybe the one punch doesn't steal the round, but I feel like the takedown mixed with these other things makes it a little bit more towards Pantoja. Getting the back, and then Moreno would come out into top control, but he wouldn't really do any damage or he just let him up. So I was like, ah, I feel like you could have scored some points and solidified that round for yourself if you – jumped in the mix but Pantoja I thought some people just have your number man he was a dog out there yeah and he definitely won round five so a lot we all said round one and then he's when he hurt Brandon the round one was leaning back towards Pantoja round Mm. five and I think round three those were like the ones I was like okay I think these are definitely more so Pantoja's rounds than Moreno's round one three and five one three and five so I have the I have the striking stats pulled up. Brandon, a lot of the rounds he outstruck, but it says significant strikes. Uh, Pantoja had more in really? some of those. So like round one. Oh, it's probably the count of the ground strikes. But then again, I don't be. I don't know if Pantoja really did. I gotta watch the fight again, man. Yeah, it's definitely an all time great fight. Cause how I I felt there was no way Pantoja could have outstruck Moreno. No, so. I'm so, okay, round one. Pantoja outstruck Moreno. Round two. Moreno outstruck Pantoja. Yeah. Round three. So that's the way I had it going into the third. Round three, Moreno, but it's so close, like on the feet, like 29 strikes landed to 25. And then. Okay, so I think I had rounds one, four, and five from Pantoja. I think that's what it was. Cause I think round one, rounds two and three were the ones that I was I tweeted. And I said, "This is either um, I forget." What, you said it was either two two or three, two, two two going into going into the fifth. I said it's either three or two three one three. I said it's either three one or two two. Yeah, and because I didn't know how round three was going to be scored. Round three, it was so so close on the feet, but Pantoja had two minutes of control time to Brandon Moreno's 37 seconds of control time. Yeah, and I think that, for me, was where I was like, I don't know how they're going to score this round. So, and that was round three, right? Yeah, so it's like pretty much stalemate on the feet and then Pantoja holds the control time. And I thought Moreno outstruck him, which is saying that it did. It did, yeah, by a little bit. But I think the shots that Pantoja landed with the control time is what made it a more difficult round to score. I think if I watch it again, maybe I have a different opinion. But that's why I thought it was um, 2-2 going into the fifth or 3-1. You could have made the argument that Pantoja won that round as well going into that, that yeah. fifth round. I, I I definitely thought Pantoja won the fight. Yeah. People are saying, like, Moreno won the fight, but um, Pantoja won the match. Or, like, Pantoja won the sport. <sighs> Like in terms of like the rules, I, it's hard to say that. I I would say that if one guy was a little bit cleaner than the other guy, but they were both pretty beat up. I feel like they 
both kind of won the fight. Like both of them, they it was a good fight back and forth. There wasn't no this guy took you down in one on control time versus you beat his ass and look at him compared to look at you. Now they both looked like they, they got into a fight, like a really bad fight. Yeah. So and Moreno had rounds where he completely controlled Pantoja, like round two. He had a Moreno had a minute and twenty three of control, control time. time, and Pantoja had no control time. Yeah. So it's like they were both man. It was a good fight, man. Back and forth. I, I don't think you could be mad at the decision. I don't know why the fans were even booing Pantoja. I, I think hate he that. Comes from, he comes from a very good backstory, man. Like he's a cool dude from what I've seen. Talented. He's fought for everything, literally. Um, I know Brandon's a crowd favorite. There's a lot of Mexicans in the building, so I can see that's probably why there was some some booing. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just hope it's not because. Um, they didn't like Pantoja because Pantoja is a great dude. These guys have nothing but respect for each other. Obviously, they had a war, and uh, damn, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like when they boo either. But I guess when you pay, you work hard all week and whatever, whatever, save up your bread, and you want to go out to a fight, you pay for it. You're tired to do. Whatever you want to see want. your guy. Plus, none of the Mexicans won last night. Oh, and it was like I'm. It felt like my my thoughts because when um. I forget the girl's name, the the girl, the Mexican girl who came out and got beaten the first. Yeah, first she fought Gomez. Minutes. Yeah, so I'm like, Brazilian. and when when she came out, the crowd erupted, like it was really loud. Yeah, and I was like, oh, they must have marketed this to like a very Mexican crowd because there's a ton of Mexicans yeah, in here. Five of them on the card, Chires as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess, do you want to see that fight again, like immediate rematch? Or do you think someone else should come in? Because Amir's right there, too. Amir's right there and Brandon Royval. Yeah, he was there. He was there, yeah. I saw him walking around. So I don't know what they're going to do with that division right now. I think that kind of just changes everything. They're going to give Pantoja some time off, much needed after that. Definitely. And uh, he's going to do his victory lap, victory tour. Um, good for him. Like I said, good story. And, yeah, it's tough to see Moreno lose because I'm, I'm a huge Moreno fan. And the tough part was Gilbert... And his kids, and then Pantoja and his kids were sitting right behind us. And one of the kids asked me, Aljo, who are you going for? I was like, uh, I'm going for both guys. I like both. Both guys are really good people. Yeah. And I think he was probably like confused, like, huh? Like, like which side are you on? How could you? <laughs> I'm like, listen, dude, you're going to learn really quick. Like, the world ain't all fair and friendly to everybody like i mean this wins their guy losses. won though so that was no cool. I, well they have to understand like there's people who are not going to always be going for your person i, f I felt like at when that when i heard the fans booing which i knew they would if pantoja won i kind of was like oh this is this is flyweights aljo because like yeah. the guy who all, everyone wanted to win lost every time and that's why they like it's um it's almost like you just when you fight you're fighting like the fan favorite every time yeah Except for cool. except for against Henry, I think that was pretty even. Yeah, whatever that was. Yeah, but um, I guess is is there anything else you want to say about that fight? No, nah, I, I thought it was just a it was a really good display of skill, man, heart, talent. I did think once Pantoja got Moreno's back, I wasn't sure if Moreno would be able to get out. Um, just because of their past history, I felt like when he fought Figueroa, when he fought Pantoja. When guys do get to his back, he kind of has a tough time escaping from there. So I thought Pantoja's BJJ skill was going to take over and shine in those those moments. But Moreno did a great job being able to get out, not giving up 
too much time that I thought he was going to and not getting submitted in those positions also. And also not being afraid for Moreno to go and take Pantoja's back and an attempt to try to submit him, mm-hmm. making things very, very interesting and showing the growth in both of their skill sets over time. And uh, that's what I appreciate the most about that fight. That's a fight I could definitely watch. Again, just Pantoja just puts everything into it. Moreno puts everything into it. So skilled, so fast. Um, beautiful combinations. If there's one thing I could say about uh, Moreno, I do think there was a little bit too much emphasis on the boxing-esque of like when he was punching and rolling his head out. Instead, where I felt like it looked like he was trying to throw the left hand, get Pantoja to throw the right, and then slip it and take his back. He did that at one moment where he was able to get like an underhook, ducked it, took his back and threw the hooks in. I felt like he could have did some exits where he'll throw his combinations and exit with a kick versus trying to slip or roll under where he's tight and instead creating distance and using his left to his length to his advantage mm-hmm. and uh, chipping away at the legs or maybe coming over the top with a body with a head kick that could have maybe caught Pantoja off guard because everything was so in tight. Now let's change it up at a different mid-range or long range, hit something and on our exit, boom, follow out with a kick where I thought that maybe there were some openings there for him. And uh, instead it was more like I'm going to box with him and that's where he put himself in the line of fire to get cracked, which yeah. he did. Yeah, he would like walk right into the... That's what it looked like. Yeah. And I think he's going to see those shots. The only times he really landed on him hard was when I felt like he would light him up and then he'll step in and get kind of caught in that short range attack where he didn't really need to be except for the times where he was covering and looking for elbows as Pantoja would step in, which I thought was a beautiful little switch up as well. Um, guys, this podcast, don't forget, is powered by Nerd Focus. Go check them out on nerdfocus.com and see where they are. And you guys can see whenever they can ship it to you because there are stores all across the world. And and you can get them on amazon.com. So if you haven't tried it, definitely go try it. I don't have a promo code or anything, but definitely check these guys out. And if you're looking for merch, go to aljamainsterling.com. We got some stuff in the works. And, and... Funk Harbor Rum, Ooh. it's coming. We should have some bottles in hand, and we're going to be doing a limited edition, oh. which I'm very, very excited about. Oh. Uh, it's going to be an online sale, so guys are going to be able to get the bottles. I'm going to have a few bottles with me in in uh, Boston for UC 292. Hell yeah. I'm excited to let everyone try it. I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised, and I think rum is going to be the, the game changer. That It's not just a Caribbean drink. You can actually drink this. On a daily, sip it neat, yeah. um, sip it on the rocks, and obviously great with a cocktail. And if you want to be on a Caribbean, Caribbean island somewhere, it's a great place to, a great time to have one as well. So I think people are going to be changing their tune and not just thinking, oh, it's only bourbon that I sip on. Guys. No, this stuff is good. It's going to be good. I, I'm really excited about this. And guys, I, I don't try to sell you crap. And I know not everyone drinks, but even one of my best friends, um, Enoch Maurice mm-hmm. he's one of the guys I grew up with oh damn I just gave out his whole government damn <laughs> <laughs> but one of my, my good friends uh, Scully Nakavelli he's uh, he doesn't drink he doesn't smoke he doesn't do anything but he told me when it's in stores and everything he'll have a drink with me so alright I was like okay okay that's yeah. a that's a win for me you know I never actually drank with him I don't think ever like ever really not even one I think this one time he sipped maybe he took a sip of something and I was just like like, come on, bro. Um, but yeah, so this will be our first time. And uh, I'm excited about it. Very, very, very excited about this this opportunity because this is some life-changing things that could 
give us some some direction for certain outside of just being a fighter and having something that we actually own, which I'm mostly um, happy about. So these guys at Driftwood Distilleries have been really, really good to work with, and I'm, I'm excited to bring this to the market from the labeling, the taste, everything, the story. Uh, it's going to be good. Fun cover, man. Boom. Amazing. Amazing, brother. Um, big upset. DDP beat Whitaker. Oh. That was crazy. Listen, I'm not going to lie. I'm one of those guys who was on, I don't want to say the hate bandwagon, but I was one of those guys who had a lot of question marks about Drickus. Because the way he just looks in these past few fights on his way up to his position to fight in Whitaker, if you're going to tell me that guy is going to beat Robert Whitaker, guy, I'm looking at you like, how, where, and have you just started watching MMA yesterday? Like, where does he beat Robert Whitaker? He looks exhausted all the time, said he had a deviated septum, only 8 to 10% of oxygen he was getting in these fights. Now it's fixed. I don't know if that was really on display in this fight. But he looked better even on the first minute or two. He looked very rigid and like robotic and everything he punched looked, everything he threw just looked forced and he just looked out of place striking wise and Whitaker looked like he was touching up his nose and I was like, oh man, this this looks like it's going to be the beginning of the end and then he cracked Whitaker towards the end and took him down and from there, that's when the fight, like the whole complexity just changed which seemed rather quickly going into that second round. Yeah, I feel. I mean, I feel like he looked a little more technical too than normal. Yeah, like he like composed himself because his last few fights, I feel like he just goes crazy. I I agree. I don't. I don't think he's been looking like the most technical guy. And he came out. He didn't look great in that first half of that first round. And then at the end, the amount of time he was able to rack up, I think it was like a minute and a half, at least a minute, of ground and pound and control time. And he landed just as many strikes as Whitaker did on the feet in a short clip of time and I think came back and stole that round. Uh, in the first round? In the first round. So what do you think it was at the beginning of the round? Like just nerves maybe? Uh, no, I think he just got a good takedown and when he was able to take Whitaker down with that throw, um, again, we talk about the upper skill sets. Like these guys don't really have jiu-jitsu. Like Whitaker didn't look like he knew an ounce of jiu-jitsu down there. He's probably looking You're at saying like the bigger guys. The bigger guys yeah. in general. But that's what I'm saying. Whitaker's jiu-jitsu looked like it was non-existent. And, of course, you got a big, strong guy like Drick is on you. But this is what I'm saying when we talk about weight classes smaller. And as we get higher up, it tends to be more of a striking-based thing where Drickus was at least going for submissions. He was going for that Bravo choke, um, the darts choke, and landing elbows as Whitaker was trying to defend, beating him up, trying to threaten with a guillotine. I mean, I think that was the, the X factor that we didn't know that Drickus had coming into this fight. At least I didn't know because yeah, all I, I see know. him is he gets tired he in gets all these in, fights. He gets in brawls yeah, before this. Yeah, where they just like rock him, sock him, robot fights. I'm like, dude, I don't know if this is the guy, but he's he's the guy. Yeah, now he's going to get a title fight against Izzy. And I'm curious what you thought of that face-off. I have the link to it right here if you want to like refresh your memory on I mean, what was said. We could watch it, but... Do you want it? Do you want it? Yeah, we can watch it. Okay. You gonna play the audio? Yeah. Okay. That was that was quite the entertainment. Relax, relax, relax. This is my African brother right here. Let's go. What's up? Let's go. 
Okay, so that that part I didn't really get. So, it okay. They're playing on the whole apartheid thing. No, I I know. And it'll like he's saying like it'll show you you're like Dutch in your origin and i'm it'll show my origins are from africa yes and so it's like who's the real african and like i no go go ahead finish that thought because i actually think this makes i i i have mixed opinions i think it was a little cringy but i also thought like i thought it was pretty like creative and i think izzy's like like i i was i was thinking today like i i don't i don't know whether to hate him or love him like sometimes he's the like the villain i feel like the instigator and sometimes he's like the guy you're rooting for and he can like do that differently between fights like he's actually pretty good at promoting fights is he yeah that got awkward for me because i was just like he's calling him he's dropping the m-bomb in a, in a room full of white folks which is just hilarious to me i thought that was kind of like creative like i thought that i, I kind of like enjoyed that i was like oh that's good I when he I don't know maybe once or twice he said it like five six seven times I was just like I was like all right uh, I don't know if we're gonna say something else but this is getting a little awkward um, and I I do get the thing from like apartheid and all that but I do question like at what point how many generations removed before you cannot use that as like you're not really from here you know like like this is my issue. My parents were are immigrants here, right? So my parents are from Jamaica. They're immigrants to the U.S. Uh, the U.S. has given us everything, obviously, clearly. Um, but then you have some people who say, like, you're not from here or you're not really American because you have your Jamaican heritage attached. And I'm just like, so at what point do you actually become a real citizen other than your birthright? Of where you were born. That's where it gets like silly for me. It's like if I have a kid in freaking um where's the whitest place I could think of? Sweden. Or is my kid really Swedish? I mean they grew up in Sweden, like I yeah, think but so, yeah. I mean, yeah, but yeah, but no. In a sense of like, do we have Swedish like uh upbringing roots history other than the school system that we I mean, go through? You, like you grew up in that culture. Yeah, but and that's like, if you were like to take in that culture kind of thing. So, I mean, like your parent, you obviously have a lot of like Jamaican culture in your upbringing, but you're yeah. also very like American. At, I went like, to American schools. Yeah, and like all your friends were American, and. But do you see where I'm going with yeah. with what I'm saying? Is like people harp on this where they try to one up each other. So my thing is, I don't know whether or not if Izzy is right in using that as a defense. I. I feel like he's trying to just build it. Yeah. Like, I feel like he heard it and, like, heard him say that, and he was like, oh, I can use this to build build a fight because who else, like, everyone else I've already beat. So it's like I could build this with this hey, guy. If that is the angle that he's looking at it from, brilliant. 
If it's not, then I then I just don't I don't really get like, the point of them talk like them not just Izzy like the point of them even talking about this. It's like, why are you guys even like making this a, a point of focus? You guys are both <laughs> technically African, but Izzy grew up for the most part, um, some a good amount of his life in New Zealand, but he claims New you know what I mean. So, but he could claim both the same way I claim the United States because I was born and raised here, but I also have my upbringing and how I was grown yeah. with a Jamaican culture in in intact. It's so very similar. I, I just don't get when people bring that up, it makes it a little uncomfortable for me because then I go like, I don't even know what to even do with this. But again, it's just building a fight, getting people to talk about it, which we're doing right now. I mean, it's definitely, it, it makes that fight way more appealing. Yeah, and interesting. But yeah. then it's just like, but what does that prove after they fight? Like, even that part is still like, well, I don't know. I think it just doesn't even like, it, why are we even talking about this? It's like, because uh, now, so like, I, I think a lot of like, it's like, like me oh, fighting over a limited edition card. Like, I'm going to show you I got mine from Amazon versus you got yours from the wholesaler. I don't know. Is this no, like, but what it, we, it actually we, touches on a sensitive subject because... Oh, it does. Like, a so lot of people... just finished over lot, there yeah. not too long ago. Yeah, and in, even, in South Africa. People, like, debate this stuff a lot. Like, like a, friend, a, a guy I know was saying, like, he thinks Izzy's racist for acting how he acts towards Dreykus. And, you know, like... A, like you see what i'm saying like it actually stimulates this like emotion in in people like all over the place but like, is that a good emotion to to stimulate that's kind of the the part that i'm like it translates that into i wrestle with that's it, the one thing it, it translates into money does it though i mean i now i actually think this is a huge fight like is he just created a huge narrative by by harping on this I guess I think, but what do you think is going to turn into a white and black thing or yeah. a South African African thing? Yeah, now? it's going to turn into a white and black thing. How many people in Africa are actually watching the fights? Like, not continent it, but, wise, Nigerian wise. Like, you know what I mean? I know Izzy's a superstar over there, but I'm just saying, like, I don't know how much them talking about race stimulates that for like. I don't know. It's just a, it's just a weird point. I get your point, but it's just weird to me. It's it's just weird for me. Or I don't want to say uncomfortable because it's not uncomfortable. It's just what do you after we fight and we build the fight and we keep talking about race, like what's the end result? Like Piotrion versus Aljamain Sterling, he was acting. What's the end result? I'm gonna show you if I was acting. Okay, TJ Dillashaw, he's a paper champion. I've been the champion. I've been the champion the whole time. Okay, I'm gonna show you that I've been the champion and you. Yeah, been. it's not like so. What's the what's the result here from this talking point building to the fight, which is awkward for me because I'm just like, well, what do you what, like at the end of the fight? Whoever wins, then it's like, what? I'm more African than you. I proved it. No, I think it's more it's like, like what Izzy what we... heard that and was offended by it and took it personally. So now he has a vendetta against him, and there's bad blood, and now Drykus is being like, you know, he wants to defend his he, you know, his himself and he now they got to fight about it like yeah but we're making a fight about race now it's just weird it's just a weird angle i get it but it is a weird <laughs> angle you're fighting about who's more african i mean you're both technically really african but one who's more african at this any of them who's actually the realest african in the ufc was was francis angano yeah he was actually like Born and raised. Born and raised up there for a very long time. Escaped. Became heavyweight champion. Yeah, that's the hit. Yeah, it all. I it it always was weird. They all. Yeah, they all were like. 
But there was I, the three African champs, but only one was a born and raised there. Type, yeah, type thing. But the whole bloodline, yeah. it, it, and and even just talking about race, it's yeah, I get the point that Izzy's making because yeah, he's actually if you did twenty three me, yeah, nice straight up Nigerian. Where's Drake is from? Holland? I don't know. Sweden? Who knows where the heck his his bloodline is actually from? Where they travel from? Um, but how many generations have he has he had in South Africa? But now we're harping on this thing that it's just like I I don't know, dude. You look at me, I'm like I'm this I'm just a guy. I'm a bystander. Like I don't want to catch any strays. I, I don't. <laughs> I I thought if Drakus wanted to go full on like villain, he could have said it back the N word, and then it would have just been like. And then he would have been public enemy number one. Yeah, and then it's then it would have been. I I thought. I thought about that like in the moment. I was like, I, I was the my, the devil on my shoulder was like, he should say it back, <laughs> just to just to make this like one of the biggest fights of all time. Oh, uh, because then it would have been like real bad. But now it's like, oh, like you would have totally sided with Izzy there. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> and I I would have too. I would have been like, nah, like you shouldn't say that to a, a black dude, you know, especially from if you're from South Africa and you're white and that whole history. So yeah, that yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of animosity there, and uh, it feels authentic. And at the end of the day, I know they're both professionals, and I know that they're really more so. Um, they respect anyone who gets into the octagon, but I know there's a a moral victory here to be had for either one of these guys. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm definitely looking forward to this matchup. I I really, I'm leaning towards Izzy. I I think. It's gonna be hard for him. Ah, but then again, Drickus has actually got that X factor, like I said. But he's, he's got savage. he's got grappling, man. That's true. Not like straight wrestling takedowns, but he's got grappling. Like he hit a beautiful judo throw. Who hits a freaking head and arm throw on Robert Whitaker? Like at that weight class. Who took? So who? Robert Whitaker took Izzy down a bunch in their last fight. And like Yoel he, Romero. Yeah, like he's demonstrated his wrestling ability against Izzy. This guy didn't get taken down by Rob and took Rob down. And kind of controlled him on the ground. Who's gonna prepare better, man? And that, yeah. I think if we gotta go strength wise, I'm giving a strength advantage to obviously the the physical specimen is in Drickus. Yeah. If you're gonna go grappling wise. I'm giving the edge to to Drickus. And if we're gonna go diversity in attacks and being able to style with the feints and everything, Izzy all day kickboxing, boxing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm leaning towards Izzy with that by far. And we got ourselves a really good fight. We got some. We got bad blood. We got everything you could want in terms of theatrics. We got bad blood. We got Izzy dropping the M bomb on Drickus in an awkward way internationally, and now he has to defend that. Now imagine he loses, man. And then uh, that's that, the game. Like you're putting a lot on the line. Um, I like it. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm excited for this fight. Actually, I think it's a huge fight. No, it is definitely a yeah. huge fight. Don't get me wrong, but it, it was just like, um, so what's our end resolution after this fight? Does one become more black than the other? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Um, another interracial matchup: Hooker and Jalen Turner. Hooker wins. Yeah, I mean interracial. Now nah, I'm just you know <laughs> trying to transition. <laughs> uh, that was a great fight, man. I thought Hooker's chin was gone. He came back in a beautiful way where I thought Jalen was about to get him out of there. And Jalen missed weight, man. Two pounds is a lot of weight. 
That's a lot of weight to miss on weight by. And Hooker showed shades of the old vintage Hooker, the guy who got into a war with um, Paul Felder, got into a war with Edson Barbosa, got into a crazy fight with, um, who was the other guy? He uh, There's one more I'm missing. He had another crazy. Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier. Yeah. He looked good, man. I thought his chin was done. I thought it was like I thought anyone hit some square. He's going out. He showed great resiliency. He was able to weather the, the heavy punches, and he broke his arm early too. That's what they were saying. Yeah, and he kept fighting really well. I wonder if uh, I don't. I don't know what that feels like. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure it doesn't feel as bad with all the adrenaline as if you were just you know when you're in the middle of a fight. I mean, it was a snapped and like. Half where it's like, oh, that's a broken arm. It wasn't like that, so yeah. I, that's why I don't know what the extent of it was. Was it like a hairline fracture? Was it you actually could see? A crack? It's like a solid fracture. Like he yeah. posted the X-ray. Like okay. you could tell, there's definitely like misplacement of the yeah. bone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I feel like Hooker. Like you think he's he think he's out, and then it's two in a row. Just, now, just when I thought I was out, they pull me right back in. Yeah, <laughs> Hooker's good, man. He he really is. And it's good to see that he's going to still be in that mix-up. I mean, to have Jalen Turner there, to have Favola there, to have Hooker there, that's just a very fun weight class. And then, of course, we got our guy Nas fighting this weekend. So um just shows how stacked that 155-pound division is. And there's a lot more challenges for Hooker. I don't. They were talking about him ascending back to a challenging for a title eventually. Or he was like, it puts him back into contention. I'm like, I don't know about all that, but no. if he wins his next one, I think then he enters that conversation. But for right now, uh, I think he's just like, you're, you're just back in the mix with the top guys. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, do you, can he make it back? Because I, I think he was in the top five before. But I know yeah. when he fought Michael Chandler, he was number six in the, in the division. So do you think he can make it back there? I mean, Chandler's still there. Poirier's still there. The only guy I don't think he's fought was Gaethje, right? No, I don't think so. And I, I don't know if he's going to ever have that opportunity because this is making or break it for Gaethje, I think. So if Gaethje were to lose, I don't see a fight with Hooker happening. Maybe we'll we'll see what Gaethje actually really wants to do. But if Gaethje wins, then the fight with Hooker definitely is not going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, so for him to get back into that top five, I think it's going to be a little bit difficult, especially with guys like Armand Shayuki and battling his way back after losing to Gamera in a very, very close fight. Yeah. So what's interesting, too, is like, there was like a class of upcoming lightweights, like Fig, J Jalen Turner, Garam, Armin, and like they all. Smogulov. Yeah. Da um, Grant Dawson. Yeah. Now they're yeah they're in that too, but I feel like those three guys specifically, like everyone was saying, like these guys are the next, like you know, like Gaethje, Poye, and and you know, like those they're gonna be the next guys who ascend into the top five. Fiziev is another one. Fiziev. But then like they kind of, like they've had a really tough time breaking into the top five like once the competition stiffened they're not like defeating everybody it's levels to the shit man dude yeah <laughs> that's it but it's hard like those guys it's at the top to like everyone's mad at the guys who like they're gatekeeping in the top five like they only want to fight each other they don't want to let anyone else in but then like Gaethje beats Fazeev Armin has a loss recently Jalen's on a two fight losing streak so it's like it that shows how tough that division actually is. Yeah. That's why they are the second best weight class out there in the UFC right now, <laughs> behind the band of weights. <laughs> um and then yeah, Bo Nickel. Um 
Bo Nickel. Dude, that was just like, for him to just faint three or four times and then just throw a big punch and then catches him like that, it's like, damn, dude, you felt, it was like almost for the oldest trick in the book that Bo caught him with. And I get it. Like, he took it on short notice, fighting a, a, real, a really, really skilled grappler where if you don't respect the takedown threat, you might end up on your back and then being submitted, right? Bo's opponent. Bo's opponent. Could do that to him is what you're saying. Um, no, I'm saying his opponent took it on short notice. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you're facing a guy who's that skilled in Bo Nickel. But you had to have known that he was going to be looking for the takedown. So what's the best way to get a takedown? Set it up with what? Faints. So you're trying to tell me you didn't see, like you didn't get those looks at all or even thought where, hey, counter Khabib. And you got, I, I don't know, Just I just think a little bit differently. I just felt like what he caught him with was almost like a look over there. Wow. Like caught him with a big easy, shot. A very simple move. Yeah. He literally, like, when you watch it, it was like, I'm going to teach you guys how to hit this takedown, and I'm going to go do it against someone who doesn't expect it. And that's exactly what he did. It's just like, uh, if you wrestle someone and they don't know that you're really, really good, and then you hit a beautiful setup on them out of nowhere, and you can kind of tell, like, okay, this kid isn't as good as a wrestler. That's kind of what that was. It was just like, I'm going to faint here one time, faint here again, faint here, you drop your hands, and then whack over the top. It's like just like MMA one on one. Yeah, it's like those are drills that we do all the time. So it's like, uh, damn, you got caught with like I don't know. I'm not trying to like discredit Bo by any means. It was like flawlessly executed. It looked like they were drilling. It's yeah. Like I don't know. I just I would like to see him get an actual test now. Next, yeah. Obviously, it's not his fault that Trayshawn Gore pulled out. I don't know if it would have been much different with Trayson Gore, I, but I I don't think he would catch Trayson flush like that and just have the fight over in, like, a minute. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Bo, Bo is a beast, but, like, it definitely... It seemed like that's what should have happened yeah. against that guy. Not that's to discredit what, him, but, like, you know. Yeah, a guy taking it on short notice, not a great grappler, um, very hesitant of the takedown. And it was just like the only thing he thought in his head was take down, take down, take down. If I could stuff the takedown, smash him. But then he missed the 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 thing he wasn't thinking about. Yeah. He forgot it was a fight. So also from his other opponent. And not just Russell. Do you do you think Bo could like I told I, when I saw him out there, I told him it was just like, yo, have fun, man. Like but he was just I could tell that moment kinda got to him. The Bo's Val, opponent. Yeah, Val. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's that was his first UFC fight. First UFC fight. And you're the first hey, fight on the main nickel. card. You're a huge underdog, his bone nickel. <laughs> on like the bit yeah, in international fight week. Yeah. That's I would be stressed. <laughs> I'd be stressed. <laughs> I would be nervous. But like, I mean, what's the I feel like what's the timeline for Bo to get a title fight? Like how when do you start working him into the, the rankings? And I mean getting ranked opponents. I think we could just shoot him right outside of the top 15 or put give him someone at the, the tail end of the top 15. Like next? Next. I mean, okay. we've got a lot of guys fighting. we got Wyman versus um, Tavares. Um, Roman doesn't have a fight. Delidze. I mean, if you want to insert him into that top upper echelon right oh, away, you could, you could do that. Uh, I think he's that talented. 
But then at the same time, I think you can also give him one or two more fights to kind of get a little bit more experience before jumping right there with the big dogs who might have a much better percentage chance of stopping the takedown. Like, yeah, he's a better wrestler than Roman, but Roman will invite the takedown and start to look for leg locks and entangle him and possibly catch him. We don't know. Um, then you got Marvin Vittori. Those are matchups for the future. I don't think you could give them that matchup like right now. No. I think that might be a little bit too much too soon. And those are two giant men. Yeah, and for those guys, those are high risk, high reward, um, low reward fights for a guy like Roman, a guy like Marvin or Cannonier. Uh, obviously, Cannonier should be jockeying for a title shot again. But I think that upper echelon, it's hard to really give him one of those matchups right now without proving himself one more time against someone with. A couple of fights in the UFC. He hasn't fought anyone with, like, a couple of fights, really. I mean, he fought Pickett, but Pickett was, like, eh, kind of, like, up and down. Yeah, he hasn't fought anyone, like, super solidified. <laughs> yeah, maybe somebody who's 3-0 or 4-0 in the UFC, give him somebody like that and see where he's really at. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was, I was going to ask, do you think he could be champ by the end of 2024? I, I'm not... <laughs> That's a tough test, so man. It's a year and a half. Yes, yeah, so a year and a half from now. I mean, how many fights would he have have to have gotten in? I mean, it depends. And unscathed, he would have to come out unscathed like he has been. And I think maybe two more fights. It's it's possible if they if he gets one more fight and then gets one another big jump up in competition and he would have shined in both of those. It's hard to it's hard to deny him. I would think. Yeah, I mean, O'Malley went from unranked to number one contender in like. A year, or like fourteen months. Yeah. So. So. And then he took a year off to prepare for you. I I like Bo. I I I think. He's got a very high ceiling. He's shown he's got power. If you sleep on it, and if you just only think that he's gonna come out there to grapple, I think he showed that he can crack as well. And uh, we'll see, man. We'll see what's next for him. I, I'm definitely looking forward to. It. I know he was talking about having a quick turnaround. He's healthy. It doesn't look like the weight cut is overly hard for him. And uh, it looks like he's eager to learn and, and get back in there. So we'll see. Yeah. Those are all my notes. I mean, Robbie Lawler. Oh, shout out to the man, Robbie Lawler. What was your reaction? Him. I, in my head, I was like, he's going to want to do one more. He's going like, to want to do one more. The whole, I feel like I was getting a little, like I was drinking. And I was starting to get a little tired. And then he did that, and I was like, the rest of the night I was energized after that. Yeah. After that, like, dude, he just grabbed him and went vintage Robbie Lawler, just boom, started boom. smashing shit. It was like, oh, I've seen this man before. He's a he's a villain. Connor tweeted like, I predict we'll see him in like again before the end of the year. Yeah. Dana denied that that was gonna happen, but yeah, it almost looked like he was alluding to like, I'll challenge you kind of thing. That would be kind of cool, but. but I don't, don't think I don't shit. think it's gonna happen. But like, I feel like that's probably the best way you could end a career. Yeah, and he was saying it was like they were asking him if, if he could do one again because obviously he didn't take any damage, almost like zero. Um, but it was like, yo, like I would have to feel good for seven weeks, which he doesn't. I guess he's alluded to like just injuries, time spent in the sport, how long he's been around. Yeah, I think he deserves the time, the time away. Hang out. I think he's like I forget how old he is. I think he's in his forties now at this point. Yeah. So. And he was in dog fights. Like. Yeah. 
And that little montage they did for him, that was really cool for them to do. Man, I was like almost about to start tearing. I was like, don't you don't you cut those onions in here? Really? <laughs> Dude, Robbie's been around forever, man. He's been around the block. Just like you see the emotion he shows in his fights, the passion. When he hits these guys, he's just he puts them out. And you could you could just see him just erupt. Like this guy is just He's like a built different, dog, man. man. He's just different. Yeah. He sees red. Yeah, but then you talk to him, he's the nicest guy. Yeah, he's smiling with you. Yeah, man. And then he's like, secretly, I'm a killer, though. I will hurt you. He was tearing up. Yeah. That's what got me. I was like, ah. I got to get a picture with him before we left the arena, which was cool. Got to get a picture with him. Um, Whaley, Jose Aldo. Bunch of savages. Yeah, man. Guys that I really you know, respect in the sport. Um, yeah. Perfect night. That's it. That, yesterday, that was way better than last year's International Fight Week card. Like, the way it played out. Yeah. Last year it was a super stacked card, but, like, it ended up being, like, a lot of not very exciting fights. Last night was, like, the best card I've ever seen live. Like, you've taken me to a bunch. That was the best card I've ever seen live. I feel like a lot of people are saying that, but I've seen so many cards where I'm just like, ah, this card is actually a sleeper card. It ended up being really good. I think it ended up being really good based on the name value that was on this card of UFC 290. The name value multiplied by, like, how sick the fights were to watch. Yeah. Like, you're invested in... You're more invested in a Brandon Moreno fight than, like, a, a fight on a fight night card that no one cared about but ended up being really good, you know? Exactly. Like, like you care more about the outcome, so it's more exciting. I think that's more so what it was about. Yeah. Um, it's lived up to the hype, for sure. But other than that, I know we got the fights this weekend. With Holly Holm taking on, I forget the girl's name. Um, she's a Brazilian chick, I think, a beast. Should be a really good main event, I think. Uh, Events. And I think Holly Holm at this Buen point. She, bueno Silva? Yeah, she's yeah. tough. I think she finished her last girl by like knee bar or something like that. Yeah. She's a tough dude. She's a, I was to say she's a tough dude. She's a tough chick. Tough SOB. <clears throat> and Holly Holm, what's she, like 43? 42 now. <clears throat> um, she's getting up there in age. I would imagine she's getting ready to retire at some point. Maybe if this fight doesn't go her way, this might be it. Maybe. I'm speculating. Yeah, you think she throws in the, the I'm gloves? speculating. What is she, 40, 40 what? I'm trying to... We going to topology? I was on the UFC's website. Oh, I normally just topology. Um, 41. 41, okay. That's long... That's, yeah. Long that's, career for her. That's very old. I don't know how you really keep going. Especially at that age. And I don't she's know already she been champ. Kids. She beat Ronda Rousey. It's like, are you still going? Like, what are you still going for, I guess, you know? Money? Day job? Yeah. I mean, if you enjoy it, I'm not saying she doesn't do, enjoy yeah. it. I don't know what she does in her spare time. Mm -hmm. I don't know if she expects to have kids or if she's, like, frozen her eggs or anything like that. Like, there's a there's a lot of speculation going into that in terms of what's going through Holly Holmes' head. But this girl she's fighting, she's very talented, man. I think this is a very dangerous fight for Holly Holm, especially the trend that she's kind of been on. I feel like they're both going in different directions in terms of momentum. I'm not saying Holly hasn't won her last mm -hmm. few fights, but I think Silva has just looked better. And for me, I think um, that makes me lean towards Silva going into this one. But, I, you know, I, I like both. I've, I've met Silva after her fight. We, she asked me for a picture. This is what happens. It makes it hard for me to pick people. Because they're they're so nice to me and I don't even know them and I'm just like damn I don't want to 
disappoint anybody or make them feel like I'm rooting against them. I'm just yeah. giving the facts of what I see in their fight style. I, I think Silva is a little bit more on the trajectory up. Um, Holly Holmes really cool with me. Anytime I see her, my fiance, whenever she sees her, she's really nice. Um, I just think they're in different points in their career. So it, it, this is going to be an interesting one to see where Holly Holmes' mind is at coming into a fight with a, a, a woman who still wants to accomplish the things that Holly Holmes has accomplished. Yeah. <clears throat> That's actually not a bad card. We got uh, Nas fighting Terrence McKinney. I think that'll be like fight of the night. Um, Honestly, I, I don't think Nas is coming in with the mindset of no. looking for fight of the night. I think he's coming in looking to show dominance. And uh, with that being said, I, I think this is a more challenging fight for Terrence than it is going to be for Nas. Um, obviously, Nas is one of the guys who trains with us over at Law MMA. He actually lives with me at my house currently. Um, I, I am very big on Nas. Very, I'm very keen on his ability, especially what he shows in the room. Um, the, uh, the Evan Elder fight, I think it didn't show all the brilliance that he has in his striking and his ability yeah. to, to touch you up and not get touched back. I think that was just the type of fight that he wanted to have to show people and introduce himself to the world. Yeah. And uh, fortunately, he was able to get the finish and still show that um, even though if he wants to make it an exciting fight, he can still put the finishing touches on it and get you out of there. And I think based on their last two performances, three um, you could say the last two performances each, mm -hmm. I think Nas in his contender fight and his last fight compared to Terrence in his last two fights, it's... I, I think they're kind of going two different ways right now. I'm not saying Terrence d can't win this fight. I just think Nas is definitely the pick for me on multiple occasions for multiple reasons. Obviously, he's my guy. And then two, I just think what they've been showing in their previous fights, um, again, I'm, I'm just high on Nas. He can wrestle. He's got solid jiu-jitsu when he wants to. The guy can hit hard. He's a s strong southpaw with really good kicks. Terrence, we know he starts fast. He comes out there guns blazing. Uh, he tends to fade. And um, I don't know if that's going to do him any favors in a fight where a guy, his gas tank, he's always going to be there. You know yeah. what I mean? Always coming forward. And he's always coming forward, Mr. Come Forward. <laughs> and he's got good striking defense, I think. Um, and I... I think his offensive his offensive attacks are going to just be a little bit cleaner than, than Terrence unless he's made some very, very big changes. But I think it's really hard to come back a completely different person unless you're so, like, extremely dedicated to what you're doing in your in your off-season time. Um, I think Nas has made some, some good jumps since his last fight with Elder. So what was that, February? Now here yeah. we are coming up in uh, July. So um, I'm excited for this matchup. Um I, I like Terrence as an individual, great guy. Uh, but I, I just really think it's, you know, respect to both guys, but I, I think Nas is just m mentally, at least talking to him, it just seems like he's in a different place and he wants this bad. Yeah, very locked in. This is like a coming out fight for him almost. Yeah. It's a great opportunity for him. So, yeah. All right. I think other than that, I think we're all good, guys. Make sure you check out nerdfocus.com. You can follow Jake, Jake Fine Media, and stay tuned. I'm going to let you guys know when that Funk Harbor rum is coming to online stores. I hope to have some bottles in hand in maybe the next two, three weeks. And uh, 
maybe do like a private tastings, just kind of give people like an idea, maybe do like a little vlog behind it, behind That'd the scenes. Be It'd be cool. They're going to give me a couple bottles to take. Obviously, I'm not going to be drinking. I might have one just to partake with everyone in, in a toast. And I think that'd be really cool. Because at the end of the day, what are we doing this all for? Like, yeah, I'm definitely focused on fighting. Um, but I'm also trying to set myself up for the future. And I think that's the way you have to use the UFC platform. Um, we're not, we're not, yeah, we're not getting paid like NFL athletes and all that stuff. So you got to make sure you, when you do get to a position like this, you try to parlay it into other things. And if you don't, you'll be stuck trying to figure out what's next after when this door closes. Uh, I'm 33, turning 34, July 31st. So I'm going to be celebrating my birthday on August 19th. So I'm... Uh, Let's go. Uh, yeah, that's that's all I got for you guys. So thank you guys for always tuning in. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend.